Aloha, and welcome to the podcast, Throwing Up Rainbows. Good girl, dirty secret. I invite you in to get lost in story. You are welcome here with my dirty little secrets. You're welcome here exactly as you are and all your brilliant, beautiful fucked upness as you shine and as you crawl towards the light. In today's episode, I'll reveal the perfectionist and the fuck you, my two dirty disorders, and give you the basics of the five main eating disorders. I'm curious if you'll see yourself in any of them. Let's dive in. At this very moment, someone just threw up. Someone else is starving themselves on purpose or running because the voice in their head screams they must. Someone's abusing laxative or pinching their bodies in hatred and disgust. At this very moment, 30 million Americans suffer with an eating disorder. 25% of those are male. The problem is that only one in every 10 people that has an eating disorder ever seeks treatment. This means that currently eating disorders have the highest death rate of any mental illness, which makes eating disorders a human problem. The summer of my freshman year of high school, at 15 years old, I began what I realized six months later was a descent into anorexia. I was a shy loner who spent all my breaks in the secluded corner of the library or running on the hills behind my school every lunch break. For those who don't know, anorexia is characterized by severe weight loss caused from refusing food. In turn, the anorexic starves themselves to attain thinness, which often results in the bony images of walking skeletons you may have seen once or twice. But I was an athlete, and I wanted to be healthy, so I limited my food and increased my exercise. In this way, I was allowed to reward myself with food and punish myself with exercise. I know, I know, but it really sounded like a good idea at that time. As Janine Roth, a pioneer in dissecting the meanings of food in our bodies, once said, and I'll paraphrase, We cannot live for long periods of time telling ourselves horrible things about ourselves. Eventually, we can't bear to hear them, and we lash out. I often call my transition from anorexia to bulimia the perfectionist to the fuck you. When I was anorexic, I was the perfect, nice little girl who got straight A's, had zero boundaries, and was teased because I didn't know how to stand up for myself. And I was infatuated with the boy I could barely bring myself to talk to. In turn, I was a sinking shell with no voice. Naturally, this made me kind of angry, but being the good little girl that I was, I couldn't show it. I'd been starving myself, quote unquote, for about a year when something snapped. Constant vigilance was tearing at me like Chinese water torture, and I flung to the other side of the pendulum. I'd refuse social interactions so that I could stay at home alone and raid the fridge, shoving large quantities of food down my throat, terrified the whole time that it might not all come back up. I'm a smart girl, and yet I did stupid, crazy, illogical things. When the itch of the eating disorder became too much to tolerate, I became a different person. I had to scratch it. I had to give in to what it wanted. It started off trying to be healthy and in shape, I was trying to be strong and superhuman, but in the end, 
it lied to me. I wasn't superhuman. I became a prisoner to the food and the toilet, the exercise, the mirror, the vile hatred of my body, and the constant voice in my head that told me I was a worthless, pathetic failure. We all have these nasty, critical voices, and they tell us things that we'd never say to a friend or possibly even our worst enemy. Knowledge is power. So let's go into the five main eating disorders and ask yourself this question. Do I see myself in any of these patterns? Number one, the most commonly recognized eating disorder is anorexia nervosa or anorexia. This is the eating disorder where people starve themselves into emaciation. It's called restricting. It's one of the hardest eating disorders to treat, partially due to the fact that starvation hurts the brain and we're not able to think clearly or make healthy choices for ourselves. When I think of anorexia, I think of a disease of perfection, when all of our badness can be erased if we're just a little thinner. It's important to know that most eating disorders don't go away on their own. If you think you can handle it on your own, that's probably the eating disorder talking, because it'll say anything to stay. Despite sincerely wanting to give up the eating disorder, and trust me, I tried for years on my own, most people aren't able to get free without help, therapy, or outside support. Eating disorders are tricky, and they don't want to let go. If they get their way, you'll be dead. So if you're confronting someone with an eating disorder, do it with love. But remember, it's far better to have them be angry with you now than have them be dead later on. Early treatment is a huge key. Think of the eating disorder like poison in an IV drip. It's important to stop the eating disorder before it has time to seep through the entire body. Number two, the second most recognized eating disorder is bulimia nervosa, or bulimia for short. This is when a person voluntarily makes themselves throw up. Often this purge is preceded by a binge where the person eats large quantities of food that are usually high in calories or often taboo for them. If anorexia is the perfectionist, then bulimia would be the fuck you. It has a pull and a violent push. It says, I want everything and when it's too much, I want nothing. I was anorexic first before bulimia lured me in with the promise of all the food I could eat and the price I could avoid. But it's a liar. I've never been more depressed in my life than when I felt my eating disorder would take over my life. Even in my dreams, she'd be there. In my dreams, there were banquet tables laden with food and I'd spend nights fighting the urge to eat it all and get rid of it after. In the mornings, when I'd wake up and I hadn't given in, I'd feel let down like, ugh, I could have eaten everything because it was only a dream. On the mornings I'd wake up and realize I'd given in to the buffet, I felt like the pathetic failure that I was and the hope of me ever being normal slapped me in the face. If I couldn't even fend off the eating disorder in my dreams, then what hope did I have to be free in my real life? Number three. The next disorder is compulsive overeating or binge eating disorder. It's not just eating a lot, it's when you feel an out of control compulsion to eat. The eating is often done in secret and also in large quantities. Compulsive overeaters are usually significantly overweight. 
When I was in the hospital treatment program for my eating disorder, one of our group activities was to attend an Overeaters Anonymous meeting, or OA, that took place inside the hospital. I remember feeling incredibly uncomfortable, like I had a spotlight on me and everyone there would hate me because compared to them, we were thin. But really, I was ashamed because me and Susie at the meeting both had an uncontrollable compulsion to eat the entire cake, but I was a cheater because I threw it up. I didn't want to have to pay for my sins and see the food hang off my body. I was a cheater because I was a coward, because I wouldn't face the public repercussions of privately eating the cake. I was fake and terrified they would hate me for it. We sat in one corner of the room observing the meeting, me wanting to make myself as small as I possibly could, small enough to disappear. As Susie shared her evening of eating the entire birthday cake because she missed the family she once had, I realized that no matter what size we appeared on the outside, we're the same. We all hide our insecurities, our problems, and our pains with different masks. Whether we're 100 or 300 pounds, we're suffering, but we judge our own internal suffering by comparing it to the one thing that we can clearly see, our external bodies and the external bodies of others. The things that can never be satiated by food are the things we try to fill with food. It's like walking around with a full body of black holes, shame, trauma, sexual abuse, a plethora of insecurities. Food can't fill these holes. They must be filled with love, connection, kind words, community, and support. Number four, the next eating disorder is Ednos or eating disorder not otherwise specified. These are the eating disorders that don't fall nicely under a specific category. The common denominator of Ednos is that the disorder causes serious emotional and psychological suffering, and it's a serious problem in your public, personal life, and relationships. The point to remember here is that just because you don't fit into a category, it doesn't mean that you don't have a problem or deserve help. Over the course of my eating disorder, I convinced myself many times that I wasn't as bad as the next person. I mean, sure, I threw up six times a day, but I didn't throw up blood. I didn't wear a backpack attached to an IV tube. I'd been throwing up for years, and yet all my test results came back normal. So I convinced myself that I wasn't as sick as these people, and I didn't really need to be here in treatment. These people were really sick, right? Wrong. If your eating patterns or body image cause problems in your life, it's a legitimate problem. Five, finally, I wanna bring attention to a newer eating disorder term known as orthorexia nervosa. Dr. Steven Bratman invented the term, which is the melding of the Greek words orthos and orexia, meaning correct or right appetite. What it basically means is that you have a fixation with health. The eating disorder term is used when a person is obsessed with what they believe is healthy eating, and they often take diets to the extreme or drastically limit the safe food that the person's allowed to eat. The problem with orthorexia is that people are often unhealthily thin and malnourished, and they can suffer many of the health problems suffered by people with anorexia. 
Although this term is not yet listed in the DSM, it's becoming known in the mental health community. My eating disorder started off as orthorexia, turned into anorexia, and then morphed into bulimia. My dad, he always used to say, pot is a gateway drug. <laughs> I always pictured this big door with smoke billowing from a cloud of gray haze. I find though that there's a similar gateway door for eating disorders. The gateway door is dieting. An eating disorder facilitator in Hawaii once told me that the common factor for the start of all eating disorders is starting a diet. My eating disorder started at 15 when puberty was meandering down the hallway. Newer statistics say that girls as young as eight years old are being admitted to hospitals with eating disordered behavior and wanting to be skinny. If you see any of the above patterns in yourself, tell someone and get treatment. If I could go back in time and tell myself one single thing, it would be this. Do anything and everything to stop the disorder. Do not let it suck you in with its false promises. Get therapy. It lies and will always lie and it'll steal years of your future. If you're a parent, keep your eyes on your child. Take notice of any new ways of eating or not eating, exercise or significant weight loss or weight gain. Confront your child lovingly and get them help immediately if you think your child may have or be starting an eating disorder. Diets can possibly be phases, but they can also turn into eating disorders. And an eating disorder is not a phase. It will not just go away. Remember, I started off wanting to be superhuman. My eating disorder told me that I was special, that I was chosen, that I'd be strong and happy. But she lied, and she took 11 and a half years of my life, my time, and my memories. That's what eating disorders do. They steal your life and make you hide from the people that love you. They steal your time and focus your existence until the entirety of your worth can be summoned down in one word. Skinny. For years, I battled with my disorder who told me that I was a pathetic waste of life. She convinced me that deep down at my core, I was a black hole, dark, sad, and evil. So one night, years ago, I smoked, despite my father's ironclad warning. I felt something in my chest where I'd always assumed the dark of me lived. But at that moment, I laughed, and from the middle of my chest, I felt as though rays of sunshine flashed out in all directions. And it was then that I knew all the deepest, darkest parts of me, there was only bliss, and my core was good. I was good. And we're all good. We're all enough. Sometimes we just lose track of it. Sometimes we enter a smoky door and have a hard time finding our way back out. But if we're taught that we're good, that we don't need to do anything to achieve love, if we see the good in everyone, then we're less likely to be vulnerable to hatred, both towards ourselves and towards others. And let's remember when we're out in the world, when we encounter each other and each other's bodies, that we are more than the sum of our parts. We are more than how our bodies take shape. One of the coolest things about my eating disorder is that I realized that if I had the capability of such hatred towards myself, then I was also capable of fierce love towards myself and others. And love is stronger than fear.
I'm Zizo Colante, and this is Throwing Up Rainbows. This episode was produced by me, Zizo Colante, with audio production and scoring by Carlos Sepulveda. Colors.